When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I don't really think I allowed myself to think one way or the other that we're going to do it without him or not. I didn't. I just hands up. I didn't know how we would, how it would go on or go forward. And then when um, they started talking about we will do another one, and there was this all this back and forth and online, you know, whether or not it should be recast or not. Then that's when I allowed myself to say I prefer it not to be recast. How can it be recast? No. Angela Bassett admits she wasn't sure how the Black Panther franchise would address star Chadwick Boseman's death, but eventually, she was on board with the way it was handled. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk with Bassett about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, including one specific choice about her character. Later, we chat with filmmaker Ron Howard about 13 Lives. But first, the roundtable looks at what's ahead as the Golden Globe nominations are announced on Monday. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Y'all ready for this? Uh, 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 Drop a beat. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the whitest man in the room. <laughs> that true. That, that is an accurate statement. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, joined by my colleagues and friends, dare I say, uh, Janelle Riley. Good morning. Or afternoon or evening, whatever the the case may be. (laughs) Jazz Tanke. Hello. And the busy, the busy Clayton Davis. Hi, kids. So busy, he's he's just on the phone. He's texting his you know, his his peeps. Yeah, getting all the no, he's all just the playing with Lenza. He's yeah, playing. exactly. <laughs> Lenza is addicting, though. If you say it's, so, I won't go near that thing. Yeah, we're not. I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lenza. they're getting some type of information. Oh no, they absolutely are. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think in some countries you're already like a spokesperson for a couple yeah. of things. Yeah. They're <laughs> just automatically using your image. So because you did have like a badass, uh, it looked like an album cover. I know. It, yeah. like, it made me very. Uh, you know, of of the music era, and I was okay. feeling it. But we're going to be walking through some country one day. Yeah. You're just going to see a poster of, like, <laughs> Clayton's face, and he's selling an energy drink of some sort. I love it. So. I, can, I can try to sue. I need to make some money. Yeah. 
Don't we all? Yeah. Award-winning clean. Award-winning. The award-winning. Well, uh, excuse me. And we need to talk about that. Award-winning Janelle Riley as a- well. Award-winning Janelle Riley. It was Janelle Riley. Jan- oh, Janelle. Yeah. And, Janelle. And this podcast came in second for podcast. That's hopes. not good enough. Not I know. good uh, enough. Do I was better, ver- people. I was very upset, but yes, I, but I was very happy. We'll that it came in second. I suppose. So, I mean, it's so, it's we should have won, but it's, yes. It's something to work toward. Yeah. So yeah. next year, yeah. It's it's a shoe in We'll bring that A-plus content today. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be this episode. Right. Yeah. All right. This is this is what we submit next year, God, is this God. episode. So I'm so dire. Bring your game, people. S- sponsored by Lenza. <sighs> I just want, I just, LA Press Club is the only press club that will say the M. Night Shyamalan is better than Troy Gotzer. That's because that, that's really? where, yeah. I mean, that, that was, was but M. Night Shyamalan. It, it was such that. a good interview. Yeah. That was a great interview. Yeah. He is so funny. Like, I don't know that people, I mean, you can see the humor in his movies and also Servant, if anyone else yeah. watches Servant on Apple TV Plus. Such a great underrated show. So, and I'm so excited because his next movie is an, uh, an adaptation of a book I really like. So, what's it called? Well, that's interesting because the book was called, I think, The Cabin at the End of the World. Okay. And the movie is called Knock at the Cabin Door, I believe. Oh. I might be missing a couple articles. In it's there. a flat earther movie. Like, no, it's actually, they tell you in the trailer. It's, it's actually, it's basically these people who don't know each other show up at the cabin door of this family and they're like, um, one of you has, you have to choose one of your family members to die and you have to kill them or else the world will end. And, you know, they proceed to make a very strong case. They're not, you know, maybe they are crazy, maybe they're not. And it's, it's a, I guess, a, a bottle episode. Set in a cabin with a great cast. When's he going to do a romantic comedy? <laughs> this might be his version of a romantic comedy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the space. I think a, a Shyamalan rom com that'd be cool. Yeah. I have been pushing like all the serious, like Jeremy Pope yesterday. I was like, so rom com next, because <laughs> he was telling me how his mom, um, she actually passed out at his Broadway premiere. Oh, wow. In Choir Boy, because she was just so nervous for him and seeing everything that he was, his character was going through, it was hard for her. And then when she came to the premiere of The Inspection. He could tell that she was kind of getting worked up again. And he's like, Mom, are you going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And I was like, for your mom's sake, please do. It's such a good uh, – he told me that story. And by the way, he has the best-looking family I've ever seen in Yeah, I mean, right? my God. Like, like all of Look them. at that man. His mom is yeah. 30. I told our photographer, I was like, the most beautiful human being you've ever seen yeah. inside and out is coming into the studio today. That, and, and they're talented too. Like yeah. his daughter's like – she did some of the music for Seven too, so it's like. Oh wait, you're oh, talking about Shyamalan. Oh, yeah. oh, we're talking about. Um, we're talking about Jeremy Pope. Jeremy oh, sorry, yeah. I'm but everyone, everyone, everyone has a great family. Team. Everyone's really beautiful in Hollywood. <laughs> what are we talking about? They're all we're, we're, gorgeous. Okay, the name of the movie is Knock at the Cabin. No, the and the novel was The Cabin at the End of the World. Okay. All right, lots of cabins. So yes, I read it in one day, which I never do. I like to read. I've been writing years. Yeah, that's a humble been, brag. I know. I know. What's a book? I don't know if it was that humble. Barely <laughs> read variety. My goal, was, <laughs> my goal was to read books with Danielle, who used to work here, Turchiano, and yeah, I just have Ooh, failed. But she has, she has high standards for book readings. She read a book a day. I know. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Like, how I can't do, you do that. that. I don't know. In, in addition to watching every single television yeah. show as well, it's, it's astounding. But. Those are goals for 2023. Let's yeah. let's talk about 2022. <laughs> still, we still have a lot of movies to to, to still premiere as we hit to the end of the year. Yeah, um, them screening this week. I yeah. Think. yeah, and then is that it? Because we have Avatar: Way of Water starts screening today. Well, well I've heard of it, that. I've oh, heard of that it's, one. It screened yesterday, technically. Oh. Uh, of course, yeah. We didn't get invited to that one. Um, but yes, uh, today it's screening, so we don't have any takes for you. 
We just, <laughs> we just know that's three hours and 11 minutes. <laughs> the question is, are we going to know what it's about after we watch it? Or are we still going to be just like, what is this? I mean, like, until Cameron really proves us wrong, I guess he gets yeah. the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not going to doubt him. All yeah. right. He would make a great Smurf movie, too. <laughs> would, uh, it would look amazing. Yeah. It would be so autory. And A Man Called Otto had its big screening premiere sort of thing last night. Did very, well, very, very positive. Very well, very positive. Doesn't right. surprise me. I mean, the original is great. Mark Forster is a great director. Tom Hanks. I love Cranky Hanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get, I get so, so late to the game, man. I was like, yeah. Is it though? I mean, with everything pushed into January and is that, by the way, is that it or is anything more coming? I mean, <laughs> any last minute drops? Uh, oh, um, I want to dance with somebody, which I hear is really good. I, yes. I, which yeah. I'm not surprised. Casey Lemons, great yep. actor. Yeah. I heard uh, Naomi Aki's very good in it. But again, they're, they're juggling Woman King, Man Called Otto, um, Devotion. They're busy. Yeah. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Best original song. Best original song. It's Pace the Paul. Pace and Paul. Which they're pushing to. So. All right. Well, we're just a couple days away from the Golden Globe nominations. Do we? Do we? We care again, right? This. It's. It's back. I mean, I, I, I care to see what the wacky noms. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I care for my Bridget Jones Edge of Reason nominations that we hey. see every now and then. Yeah, but I mean, I listen, I, that one. I will always give the Globes this, like. They had the most fun show, and they could actually make some really good choices. They've nominated two black women before for director, and we've had zero at the Academy. So I have to give them their due. They're the only other uh, group besides the Oscars, obviously, that gave Moonlight Best Picture that yeah. year. And uh, Major Guild. on the TV side, they're often very good at recognizing new shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love new shows and new yeah. talent. Sometimes talent that still hasn't been recognized by the Emmys, like like Rami Youssef. Or yes, uh, going way back, Sarah Michelle Gellar was nominated for Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm. back yeah. in the day. And they gave Party Brooklyn, five, and they gave Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And one comedy series that year. And Andy Samberg. It was the greatest. Well, to yeah. your director's point, they did three female directors, which is like, you know, we're sitting here going, well, can two directors get into the Academy Best Director race? And yeah, and they've done, yeah, they've done, a, they done did three yeah. a few years ago. And then their first winner was Barbara Streisand for Yentl. Which I will defend Yentl to the death. Fine, <laughs> but listen, they, for the they also did Babs again for uh, Prince of Tides too. So, like they they can do well this, this year. They have some good choices. I think you know we're going to see your standard Fablemans. I think Tar is going to make it. Obviously, uh, Top Gun. I feel pretty good about Elvis is going to happen. Mm. Uh, look for Glass Onion in com in comedy side. Also, Banshees and everything everywhere. I heard through the grapevine that they did not get screeners for Triangle of Sadness. Really? Oh. Yes. Um, which would be interesting because that w- that's a total globy movie that I feel like they would go big on. So, if Triangle of Sadness doesn't pop up, so huh. I wonder what that would look like. That's interesting. Fingers crossed for it, Dolly De Leon. Do you think that Emancipation, how do you think Emancipation is going to look like the HFPA? I, he thinks Will Smith is well, winning, don't I, you? I think Will, well, he's definitely getting in for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, they're kind of backed into a corner with the winning thing because obviously it's been reported that Brendan Fraser is not going. I think optics wise, if you don't reward him, then it, op, I'm not saying this is true, but 
outside people would think, oh, you're just being bitter. You don't want to give it to Brendan Fraser. And if you give it to him, then you look like you're the good guys. And, you know, we can look past it and still reward uh, a good talent. Unless they go with Austin Butler, which is totally what they could do. I mean, yeah. Which I is a good choice. prepared for an Austin Butler sweep, I would not be surprised. Mm. Yeah. What if they hire Will Smith to host <laughs> the Golden Globes? I would not put that past him, though. That That's so <laughs> crazy, it's true. At least, like, asking to see if it's a possibility, because yeah. that, that would generate some interest. I mean, Will and Chris together, like, uh, sitting there on opposite stages and just uh, throwing or, And Chris stuff. is the one this time who yeah. goes up and says, Yeah, exactly. Keep, be, keep your name out my mouth. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. Uh, Chris has nothing eligible this year, so they can't be Yes, nominated. he does, technically. What does he have? Supporting actor in Amsterdam. Oh. Oh, oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> That could be the, the movie film. that everyone forgot about. That could be the film. But listen, they're going to do the Harry Styles supporting nom. I'm like convinced of it. For Don't Worry Darling or My Policeman? I went highbrow and said My Policeman. Yeah. But a bit of me is going to acknowledge it's probably He's for Don't Worry Don't Darling. Worry, darling. And if they do that, I think Olivia Wilde's going to be nominated for a director, and they're just going to. He's call really it. good in My Policeman. He's he is he's very good in My Policeman. It's actually like. A very good uh, performance from him. Um, other than that, uh, what else we got? I hear Janelle Monet might be in the lead category for Globe, so only Globe. Which I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. I could, I could see. I wonder if that's going to cause her some issues down the line. I don't know. I've done that. Well, actually, the examples I'm thinking of, the people ended up not being nominated for Oscars. I mean, <laughs> exa- Grant, example one. Yeah. Foster Jenkins. Exa- and yeah. last movie, um, Anna Darmus for the first time's out. She was lead at the Globes, and then I think she, I don't know where she, she would have to be lead though. I mean, that's at her the Globes. Movie. No, I mean at in life. Oscar. I mean, she's yeah. So she's yeah. campaigning supporting. So it'd be interesting. She campaigned for Knives Out for supporting Anna. Yeah. Oh my God! I bought. So I'm doing a, a glass onion Q and A today, and remember how I bought a knife um, hair clip? Yeah, two months ago. <laughs> yeah, just, naturally. Just, yeah, I forgot to bring it, <sighs> and you can't go home and get mm. it because time no when there's people at my home right now measuring and moving stuff so no. <laughs> i guess the knives yeah. are, are out. they're in <laughs> knives in bring an onion instead i know i was thinking about that yeah um i'm pretty sure uh weird the al yankovic story is going to be in the film side for globes oh, but every cool. tv everywhere else now why would that be i mean uh, and i guess that's a question for us to ask yeah, the, the yeah, globe folks. don't ask me <laughs> uh, the same thing with Ham- hamilton too uh hamilton was a uh, film for globes and then went tv everywhere else Hmm. i since i brought up spirited one of the best movies of the year and should be the best original song contender um that's going for oscars right yeah that's Oscar side that is um it's time for what did what mike watch this week (laughs) i watched spirited (gasps) what did mike watch this week (laughs) did you love it good afternoon (laughs) everyone loves that song and i'm all about unredeemable (laughs) yeah how what that is an instant christmas classic yep. for me. Watch yeah watch with the family and uh definitely was enjoyable the uh the the boys at first uh because i did not warn them it was a musical oh no so. did they have that reaction <laughs> like when homer simpson got tricked into watching paint your wagon <laughs> with blood i bet and then they started singing yeah there are those those cringe moments with the kids that they they feel weirdly embarrassed when they're wa- like start watching a musical they had no idea it was going to be a musical but i think by the end they were in 
I, I think they enjoyed it's it. It's so That's... good. And by the way, just random, uh, this blew some people's minds, but um, Joe Tippett, who plays, I think Owen is his name, the younger dopey brother of mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds, is John Ross from Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> I was like, John oh, I yeah. only know this because he dates Sarah Bareilles in real life. And so I'm very aware of when he pops up and things. That's because... where it all comes together. Yes. I, was like, I know I've seen this guy. Yes, and, when I tell and you. I didn't, yeah. And I didn't bother to check well, IMDb. he seems to be aging backwards. Is the thing because he looks much younger and spirited than he did in. Which is funny because yeah. he has like that crazy long hair and spirited, yes. so that should make him look older. Yeah. But yeah, he looks like just like a you know young hippie dude. Yeah, yeah, no, they he his look can change drastically based on his beard um, growth. Um, but yeah, he's it's great to see him. It's a, Patrick Page who plays Marley. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a big Broadway star, so it's funny because M- Marley is always trying to get them to stop singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I actually did a Q and A for Below the Line talent um, at the Arrow on Friday, so I got to watch it with the crowd, and it plays so well with an audience. Yeah, no, it's it's delightful and definitely uh, a new holiday classic. And Octavia Spencer and Will Ferrell as love interests. Yeah. I ship them so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and that concludes what did my watch this week? <laughs> Actually, speaking of musicals, though, this is a good segue because we didn't talk about Look this. What you did there? Uh, New York Film Critics Circle announced their winners last week, and the best musical of the year won Best Director. RRR. Have you seen that yet, Mike? Yeah. Oh, Mike, you love her. Mike, when I have not yet. It's oh. the, it's the most movie that's ever been made, and it is. <laughs> it's the mo- it's extra. I, I would I, I say this half joking, but I'm kind of serious. I would give my children away so I could read the production notes for the movie that when they said, "I think this goes too far," right here. Then, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what that was. Yeah. Because there is there is a, a tiger that is caught in the air and then thrown at a man. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, that, they have to do on the Oscars telecast, so they have to nominate us on. Yeah, RRR. I I really think RRR is the little engine that could. I, I think I, I little engine. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's a giant it, tiger I mean, it's, engine. I mean, it's little. It's, <laughs> vari- it's, it's variance films, which not every big, not a big distributor. You know, they're they're doing it with no quote unquote star power, American star power, because those guys are huge yeah. uh, in India. Um, and it's just so much fun. And it, one director, I don't, I, I don't know if that's going to happen at the Oscars, but I think picture, song, Capola Selma, VFX. I think, I think VFX and sound yeah. are on the table too. It's it it's so much be. fun. It's so fun. That's your homework this week. Right. Unfortunately, uh, it's it, a lot of homework. Though. It will <laughs> lose best supporting animal performance to Jenny the donkey from Banshees of Inisherin. This is the year of uh, donkeys and severed yeah. fingers. Donkeys, severed fingers, poop, vomit. Poop. Always uh, back to the poop jazz. Yeah. Like, what, I mean, there, I mean, there was poop. There was a lot of poop this year. Yeah, uh, elephant. I, yeah. All right. But I it, mean, just good. warning. Yeah. <laughs> what a trigger warning. Yeah. Yeah. Trigger warning. Poop. We, that, that just cost us next year's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like they talk too much. Poop We're gonna be down that, to that, third place next year. We're going the wrong. Yes, but when jazz direction. says it, it sounds classic. It does. It does, it does yes. sound classic. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, but but Tar winning Best Picture. At New York Film Critics, which was expected there, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think a lot of us thinking, you know, right? Maybe you know, there's a lot of season left, but this is a kind of kind of a power of the dog situation. Like people who love Tar love mm-hmm. Tar, and then there are people who are like, mm, I'm not big on Tar, so it's not a good preferential ballot contender. But I think it may it may be the critical darling of the year and just win a ton of stuff. And then uh, Colin Farrell, Best Actor, yes, he is. Yep. I that. That is the the one waiting in the wings. 
He's beaten Brendan twice, by the way, so far. Frazier. Not his co-star. Not his co-star. That's a whole other thing. So so um, a couple other things that we had. Uh, we had the Critics' Choice TV nominations come out. So the interesting thing about... Stop trying to bring TV into this room. <laughs> the interesting thing there is, uh, you know, it's it's sort of been a mixed bag on where uh, White Lotus goes. So Critics' uh, Choice, they put White Lotus in drama. But only Jennifer Coolidge was nominated. The show itself was not nominated. I mean, it hasn't finished either. That's... Um, we still have an episode left. Also. True. But it is going to be messy because I think White Lotus's comedy at DGA and mm-hmm. drama at SAG. So it's, yeah, it's kind of. It's going to get a little messy. And then we'll still be in Limited at the Emmys. Really? They're, they're I mean, they're, they're, that's where they're going to put it. Unless, unless, unless there's a, something, which there could be. I yeah. mean, especially the, the competition may decide to... Uh, raise uh, some arms about raise it. Raise some arms, and that may change. But HBO's plan right now, at least, I, I believe, is to keep it in limited. Because we already knew last year that it was coming back, right. and it was in limited. So, um, but we shall see. I'm just so happy that more and more people are discovering Tom Hollander. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's great and and seems to play a large role in what happens in the mm-hmm. finale this this Sunday. Do you have inside intel? No, we just all have our no. speculation on My, where things go. A friend of mine who is not in the industry called one of the like weeks ago one of the big twists, and I was like, I, I'm pretty blown away. Okay, I think yeah. I know the twist you're yeah. talking about, yeah. which we saw uh, yeah. on this week's episode, and yeah, yeah, Bruce Willis all was makes dead sense. the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Um, but, um, so Globes on the TV side, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, how much they commit to the fantasy shows. So Rings of yeah. Power and House, uh, of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, do they get drama nominations? And Abbott Elementary, which is eligible for two of its seasons because oh, right. it's this weird, calendar yeah. year. Yeah. But that's the way Globes has always had that yeah. weird sort of hybrid. So they're I, not you know, the weird ones. I think anyone going like September to August 31st. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a TV season. Yeah. Though. Oh, that's, not, that's how TV that's, that's, always been. Old school TV I can yeah. understand that though. Like I, the calendar makes sense. Mm. But yeah. like, yeah, Globes get tricky. And so did like DJ and all the guilds and stuff and too. Tag, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. for example, what's interesting with um, Better Call Saul is this will be the final season for the Globes and SAG, et cetera, because it's calendar year. And so those final two sections of that final season both fell in 2022. But with Emmys, because of that calendar, this is where it's sort of the reverse happens. And Emmys will be the last mm-hmm. to actually potentially honor Better Call Saul, since you do have that hanging second half of the season they that falls into next it, year's eligibility. Because they seem determined not to. Last chance. I think. I, th- I think Racy- <laughs> we, we got to shame them. We have. We have months. We have uh, eight months, months to be in the show. Shame. I, I think. I think Racy Horn shamed. might get a DGA nomination, though. I feel good about her. Yeah, that would be great. I feel good. How nice would that? We're gonna keep this Racy Horn thing going yeah. as long as possible. Oh yeah, we're <laughs> keeping it going. We're keeping it going. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, drama side and then comedy side. Uh, you know, I think yeah, you're right. Abbott only murders. No Hacks, Ted Lasso. No Ted Lasso, but sort of the usual suspects at but, DGA, um, but not Globe. Which is so it's gonna be. We're gonna hear a little bit of Ted Lasso sprinkled in oh, throughout because they the have season. a weird. Uh, it's all terrible. Yeah, calendar. Wait, Ted Lasso is eligible for Globes? No, no, no for no. DGA. Because what is their calendar? I don't. It's like a solstice thing. I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a solstice. 
Oh, like it's Aurora Borealis. <laughs> uh, but the shows, the new shows to watch on the comedy side are Wednesday, which is just killing it right now on Netflix. That thing is phenomenal. Jenna Ortega. Oh, yeah. she's the best. So, so there's that. And then The Bear. This will be the first opportunity for some Also award DGA love nominee for the bear. bear. That's coming. Yeah. And that's going under comedy? comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's comedy. <laughs> okay. Yes, chef. <laughs> Oh boy! I haven't finished it yet, but I really do. In- oh no, I it's really great. Enjoy and it. Jeremy is, fan- and Io is uh, like, it, it's just great. Yeah, yeah. No, so that I that- have no snarky remarks to make. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if Io gets an Emmy next year. I think that's a very At good. At least a nomination. I mean, there's definitely eight, a there's nomination. eight spots. You know, let's. Uh... Well, actually, if White Lotus gets kicked to comedy, then it's gonna yeah. get it's gonna get like that's gonna become a bloodbath. Yeah, that might, might be advantageous to keep it <laughs> limited for some people. That'll be interesting. And um, also, by the time when we air this on Thursday, um, well, we might not know yet because that night, I think, is when we'll for- get the first sense of what the rule changes are uh, at the TV Academy this year because they're having their board meeting. So we'll oh, see. Yeah. What are they going to do about sketch? What are they going to mm. do about some of these other issues, uh, including that whole... Uh, you know, limited question of, you know, if if a limited show still pops up, is it still a limited show, even if it's all new cast? But in case of White Lotus, uh, two cast members who returned. So is there talk of a, a, of a sketch performance category and moving like people from Saturday Night well, Live out of supporting? Because well, I think because they, they had the because sh- like Tim Robinson competes in the short because he wasn't eligible in sketch. Which is they weird. could have they could have put it in that I think that was yeah, uh, yeah. Netflix decided that they no were no, able no. To Netflix pull it submitted off. to Sketch and they weren't weren't allowed to compete in Sketch oh, I knew that that's uh-huh. that's weird yeah. yeah and then Murderville got kicked out of oh I love Murderville into comedy I think that's what yeah ended up happening but I still I still don't think there's enough Sketch shows no, and performers no. to do its own thing so what's or, your what's your what do you what would you want to happen um. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I I think you have to just rejigger that whole variety uh, term. And yeah, first off, there shouldn't be a separate like shorts in variety. So if you start to add all those shows and sort of rejigger what variety means, then I think you have a, a larger number of shows that can submit. Um, yeah. Would you want? Where would you want talk shows then? Like talk series. Those go in daytime, don't they? No, what? no, like Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, late oh, night yeah, shows. late night. Yeah, yeah. Although there's been talk of maybe as the two academies start to work together more, maybe you do put all talk in one bucket, um, and so then you would have like a uh, Kelly Clarkson competing against a yeah Jimmy Fallon, which, which I think kind of makes think, yeah, sense that does in make a sense because we're talking about or Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, because it's called the primetime Emmys, quote unquote, but there's no primetime in streaming. No, and remember, all game shows now, <laughs> all game shows are going to primetime. So including like daytime game shows will now be in the primetime oh, yeah. too because they're now looking at more genres as opposed to day parts Yeah, because day parts don't really matter anymore. Um, So yeah, we'll see. What, what's your one wish that they come back with, period? What do you want? What do you want to hear? Our, our big idea? <laughs> our big idea? Say it say so they hear, they hear you. The big idea? The big, the, the What's ten, the big the idea? Ten, the 10. Oh, the 10. Yeah. It's ten. like, I have a lot of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Which idea you're talking about? Yes. And half the time, he's not yes, serious. The one that I've been pushing the most is 10 nominees yes. uh, for the major categories. Uh, it's it's overdue. Oh, with, yeah. with the volume. Oh. 10 comedy, 10 drama, 10 limited. Yeah. Just keep uniformed. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's the, the volume uh, of content, you, you would still have snubs. Because no, no one's watching everything. 
You, you can't. Except for Daniel Turgiano. I mean, except for, yeah, <laughs> literally, literally just her. I'll have to tell her that she's, her ears are burning. <laughs> but seriously, there's like, you're not like, I mean, look at the, the Oscars today announced 140 documentaries submitted for the Oscars for 650 people to vote on. They're not watching 140 docs. Yeah. They're no. not even watching 10 docs, probably. No. But um, yeah, I mean, just the, the volume of, you know, nearly 600 scripted shows this year. Uh, so, you know, you boil it down to the 10 best dramas, 10 best comedies. Still a lot of, a lot of shows. Yep. A lot of shows that are going to be snubbed. We're so. getting kicked out of here. All right. Yeah, well, I guess we have someone much more important than us coming in. Well, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week as the Globe nominations come out. Maybe we'll even know who the host is, Will Smith. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Let's but, run up that hill because we got to get or it could out be, of or here. Or could be our two guests together. Oh, you see what she did there? <laughs> it could be our two guests together. Uh, Ron Howard and Angela Bassett. Maybe they'll host together. That's sure. a good show. <laughs> okay, I'll pay for that. That's a good show. All right, well, uh, I will see you all next week. Bye, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Jones. Bye, Jones. Bye. After the break, Black Panther Wakanda Forever star Angela Bassett. From Los Angeles, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Spoiler alert time. If you haven't seen Black Panther Wakanda forever, you may want to hit pause on this podcast. We go into details on some stunning and surprising moments in the film with star Angela Bassett. So if you don't want to be spoiled, sit tight. Okay. Wakanda Forever, helmed by Ryan Coogler, is a sequel to the 2019 Best Picture nominee, Black Panther and it delivers a wrenching story of grief and reclamation as the family of T'Challa, played by the late Chadwick Boseman, adjusts to a world coping with his death. Angela Bassett, who is generating Oscar buzz, is back as Wakanda Queen, Ramonda. Je vous en prie. Let our gracious response to this incursion be an olive branch. Further attempts on our resources will be considered an act of aggression and met with a much steeper response. During an interview with the Variety Award Circuit podcast, Bassett reveals her feelings about her character's death. Her tone was good-natured, but the sentiment was clear. She wasn't happy when she first read the script by Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. Bassett also reveals for the first time that she shot a scene with the young actor later revealed to be the son of T'Challa. However, Bassett's scene with the young actor was cut from the final version of the film. I recently caught up with Bassett to talk about Wakanda Forever and all those story twists. I began by asking whether she was ever conflicted about revisiting Black Panther after the death of Chadwick Boseman. Never, never had a thought of we shouldn't do another movie. I don't, you know, I think after we completed that, it was done, it was given, you know, to the world. And then that happened with Chad. I don't really think I allowed myself to think one way or the other hmm. that we're going to do it without him or not. I didn't, I just, hands up, I didn't know how we would, how it would go on or go for go forward 
And then when um, they started talking about, we will do another one. And there was this, all this back and forth and online, you know, whether or not it should be recast or not. Then that's when I allowed myself to say, I prefer it not to be recast. How yeah. can it be recast? No. Yeah. So that's the side that I stood on. And to MCU's credit, to, you know, the execs over there, for them to proceed in that way, to find such value in um, his contribution, his life that, uh, you know, singular, that it, it should not be recast. I mean, that was a bold move because, you know, we always think in this town it's about that. And so this town and many other towns around and about that it's about the bottom line, you know, and the money generated that that's what it's about. But this was an instance where it, you know, I, you know, of course, still in the business of wanting to make make money. But but uh, it was really about the human experience, our experience with him. It was really about humanity and who he represented to the audiences, what his performance did in terms of just representation, mm-hmm. the black and brown and, and, and people who aren't seen in that particular light, um, what the entire movie did, you know, for little girls and little STEM girls and black girls, and you know, whatever you're interested in, warrior women, whatever, what it did in terms of that representation and he had the, as the, you know, the head of it. Um, for them to take a stand that we won't replace him, that was something special, singular, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Because if they had, we would not have been surprised. Yeah. But I think the way audiences, the way we responded to this movie, the way we came out, mm-hmm. came out in costume and mm-hmm. regalia, the way we flash dance mobbed at the theater, <laughs> you know, um, he was our, our king, our brother. And for them not to replace him is, I think, on a cellular deep level, Mm -hmm. it says to us that our lives, our presence made a difference, you know, however short, however long, that each of us, you know, you know, are important, make an imprint. And we're not forget once we're gone, we're not like post some for the homies. (laughs) Let's go on. But they didn't do it. So it was just a, a you know, a testament to um, the the heart of those those people who did that. You know, we, we come from a people. I was talking to Courtney last night when we because I saw it again yesterday for the second time. My kids had a screening at their school, so mm. being their mama was like, "Guess who you're gonna get on four panel discussion Q and A?" Who moderated though? None of the kids. The, no. no. Well, okay. the kids had some questions, okay. the head of the uh, Black Student Union and okay. Latin Student Union okay. at their school. But also they have a, 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 a you know, head of diversity and inclusion right. Put a mama coach to work. there. I get it. And, All right. You know, so it was they got an easy yes <laughs> out of me for that one. And I was the most nervous <laughs> for that one than any other. But we were driving home and I was saying, you know, it's, you know, we're people in this country where, you know, you stood on an auction block. And you will work from can't see in the morning, can't see at night. And you were torn away from family. And you were, you know, you know, beaten and worked until you die. And that's it. You know, it was a work you could give. And then 
throw them over there, throw some dirt on them. That's it. Disposable. Gone. So in this film, what this film represents, the representation in this film, the faces we saw up on that screen, for that black man to give his life, his artistry, the, 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 the totality of who he was, for it not to be disposable, for it to be remembered and mm. regarded, I guess as a... Uh, appreciation lover of history mm-hmm. knowing history being sensitive to it that's what it that's that's a little bit of what I took from it also and that's why we I respond so to it you know well, it's also one of the rare occurrences that they do the right thing and they can make money like yeah. like we try to tell them this all the time like yeah. you guys can do the right thing and also make money like, <laughs> like they're not mutually exclusive that's you know right. <laughs> You tell them that all That's the time. Right. So, That's right. Still, still, still rocking. <laughs> Regal still, theater. <laughs> still rocking the box office. Still killing it. Um, I, I also feel a special like uh, connection to to Chad. Obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. aside from uh, being half Puerto Rican, half Black, and just seeing what he represented for the Black community, when I got hired at Variety, mm-hmm. my first thing I ever wrote was his appreciation because he passed like two days before my first day and my editor contacted me he was like listen i know you start in two days right but and i was like this is my first this is the one out the 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 biggest one of the biggest ones you know and Mm -hmm. the the whole world is like in mourning you, you know and there's you know uh, not a lot of people of color at major publications so then you there's like you know you have to you feel that pressure of representing for yes, you know, how do you yes. get the words right? Um, but his, you know, still to, you know, two years later, mm-hmm. it still feels like he's, he's here and things are, he's still very present. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's a, it's a good thing. And Hollywood hasn't forgotten, forgotten about him. Mm-hmm. Neither has cinema or the world. <sighs> so, yeah. So, um, it's not, uh, Sure, you notice that you're sitting here with the awards editor of Variety, and that uh, little performance I love so much of yours. What's I've got to do with it was your first and only Oscar nomination mm-hmm. for Best Actress mm-hmm. um, thirty uh, years ago, thirty mm-hmm. something years well, ago. Well, it's interesting that a long I, I, be, time ago. I believe, yeah, it's it was five years ago. We're gonna keep time like relative right now. Five years ago, because I'm not, I'm not as old as that. <laughs> like that would be thirty. You're thirty. Like that would happen. Um, no. No, but uh, yes, it, you were at the time mm-hmm. still the only black woman to ever win the Golden Globe for Best Actress Comedy or Musical okay. when you won. Mm-hmm. And then Aquafina became the second woman of color to win that uh, okay. prize for the farewell like three years ago. Uh-huh. So you okay. have represented a lot. And then I'm reminded of this meme I saw right after Wakanda Forever opened that I had to share. About you, and it says, So y'all mean to tell me Angela Bassett done played Rosa Parks, Coretta Scott King, <laughs> Tina Turner, Betty Shabazz, Biggie Mama, done got her groove back, burned her cheating husband clothes, and gave birth to the King of Wakanda, and y'all still ain't give Auntie no Oscar? Auntie, yeah, yeah. that's right. You are well beloved in, in, in cinema. I don't want to say within the black community, but just cinema. You are mm-hmm. revered. Um, but it hasn't been easy to grab those roles that we see so many people just get can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that journey of just navigating through this mm. system yes 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 um 
Yeah, that was a special moment uh, to play Tina. Um, I was new to L.A., maybe about five years into being here in L.A., um, and had had done a number of little things, you know, um, little, I think a lot of little, you know, uh, showing up on televisions and one-hour episodic dramas, mm. you know. So just going from this one to that one, just like one-hit wonder, and uh, and then just trying to sort of break into film, you know, being put into a box of being oh TV actress because people were still like sort of had boundaries around them, you know. You sort of felt and sensed that, and then to have the opportunity with a young writer director talking about John Singleton who gave me an opportunity to portray his mother in essence in Boys in the Hood you know it was you know we sat and we talked and we talked about poetry and Langston Hughes and who we both shared you know an appreciation of and you know and to have that opportunity as opposed to him just having seen me on some television show or some casting director thinking, oh, she's over, you know, she stays over there in that lane. Um, and then it began to open up a little bit uh, more so after that. Um, I did What's Love, and then after What's Love, I talk about there were 18 months of unemployment. <laughs> after an Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah, which was while you think uh, – you, you know, you think that after something like that, oh, gosh, scripts might be coming. But things are always, uh, things were, I, I, I don't expect them to, to flow the same, you know, um, as it would for others, you know. Um, uh, but here I am, number one on the call sheet, playing the league, getting a lot of accolades and, you know, and, and applause for the performance, and that's all good. But, you know, I, I remember growing up and, and running outside saying, black people on TV, mm -hmm. black people on TV, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So with, you know, as we go year to year to year, decade, decade to decade, you know, things get better and open up and there are more opportunities, you know, for us. So you just have to uh, stay the course, not become jaded, you know, jaded by. I heard that a lot when I lived in New York, just coming out of drama school, you know, talking to some of the, you know, you know, Ruby D and uh, Mary Alice and, Barbara Montgomery and different actors and actresses in New York, you know, it was about, you know, staying strong and hard, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I just couldn't fool myself into thinking that because I was, you know, played her number one, that every role subsequently was going to fall just like that. Mm. Or I'd be really, really jaded and disappointed. Yeah. So, um, I continue to find places where I'm, you know, interested in the story. I can maybe, maybe a scene or two have an impact. I mean, I was in a little movie uh, called Mask and Anonymous. Do I even know what it was about? No, <laughs> but I had a chance to work with Bob Dylan, mm. being a scene with Bob Dylan. <laughs> and just that alone was cool to me, you know, uh, was a reason to show up for that, for, for, for that day. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, that's what I try to do right now. I, you know, 
Uh, presently, I have a documentary that uh, just dropped recently on Amazon Prime called Goodnight Oppie. Um, that's which is great, by the way. Thank you. It did very so, doing very well. Did you go to space for the movie? Did you, did you, did you didn't make any, any trips. My anything? voice went no. to space. Yes, I'm the voice of NASA. Yeah. You know, but um, so I just find great opportunity around me mm. you know and and it may be my voice only hey it may be my voice only it may be animation um it may be a commercial um although you know not a lot a little bit maybe a commercial it's it may be a weekly one-hour drama um ensemble or it may be queen ramonda so uh each each one is important and each one you know requires demands ask your 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 devotion to it you know um so i take it all serious yeah uh i have to ask and this is uh the one that i know we praise the mcu for mm-hmm. for you know doing this and not uh recasting chad but i am mad at them nonetheless because now we're gonna get into some spoiler territory Ooh-ooh. because we learned in the film that you are no longer with us and I think in many ways it's the meanest thing that MTU's ever done to me. <laughs> I took it very personal. I was sitting there. Oh, I was good, very upset. Good, good, yeah, good, I was good. Very, very upset. Right, let us y'all. It's great. Can you, can you tell me your reaction to you reading the script and seeing that? I we, was not we, happy about yeah. that. I was not pleased. I was not pleased with Ryan and Joe <laughs> about that there. I was so shocked. I was so shocked. I was, oh, I was just mortified. You know, it's like they gave you the greatest gift and they snatched it away. You know, um, yeah. So uh, when I first talked to him, I just was like, part of me was like, okay, don't say anything. Be strong. Then a part of me was like, I just can't. I just got to let him know I don't like this at all and why. And don't do this, you know, because the love for Ramada was just so real and heartfelt but you know they always kill we the heart already, and soul. We were already in mourning we were like it, it's like we were already dealing with t'challa Ca- character wise we we're like mm-hmm. t'challa's not here mm-hmm. so why we gotta get this extra like i know like, like, i know right beloved yeah i guess that's that you know that that's what that's what life does to you Chip Stern talking to Ryan Coogler yeah. about this. You tell him, like, uh, Clayton's upset with you. Okay. And say, like, if, I mean, All listen, right. nobody in the MCU I was is gone ever, so <laughs> we could get you back real more We could. I was, I was like thrilled and squealed when I did ADR, and I was like, I'm in the astral plane. <laughs> <laughs> when did we do that, Ryan? When did I show up in the astral plane? <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. Um, another spoiler uh, post credit scene. She's dead, but not gone. I know. She, She's, I think she's still out there somewhere. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to it. Um, in the end, post credit scene, we see a young uh, Toussaint. Toussaint, yes, yes. T'Challa's son, and then I precious uh, little angel. Like, and can I just say, my God, they found little Chad. Like it was like, <laughs> I was like, like I, I think to myself from now, I was like, is that? 
like did he have someone that I didn't know about? Like, exactly. This is for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it, it, it was beautiful eyes. Beautiful scene. Oh my God, his eyes were wide. Like I was like, the future is okay. We're yes, gonna be okay. Yes. So did hopeful. you film any any scenes with him? I did. I did. But you know, they you know cutting room and readjusting, reshaping it. You know. You know what does um, Ramonda says to I? You know, Shuri, there's something that I need to tell you. You know, but. Yeah, I filmed a scene. I went to Haiti, of course, and oh. I had a scene. I met him, you know, I was introduced to him and his face and we had this but it wound up on the cutting room floor. Because so to be a surprise yeah. to audience, to Shuri and to you that little boy <laughs> was there. So we didn't even spoil it <sighs> for you to know when she heard not to know. So it was the right way to go perfect way to go about it was it a big emotional scene like is it but i mean it, it's obviously oh, lupita yeah. presenting him to you or, yeah or? oh she's 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 proud and pleased and he's just sweet and a little <laughs> angel and oh and i'm nana <laughs> did, did, did he call you nana in it is that, uh, is that what, is I, was, I would be his <laughs> did he call you grandma or anything in in the script she that, did she 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 uh nakia told him who i was <laughs> yeah well, director's mm-hmm. cut. To, this is the director's yeah. cut I want. This is a go. We're, mm-hmm. we're, good, we're good for it. Um, let's talk about you coming up in, in the future. Uh, obviously, MCU, we know where you stand at the moment, quote unquote. But where there's still more. There's still <laughs> Angela Bassett doing <laughs> some stuff. Um, what, aside from Good Night Oppie, what do you have coming up next? Um, I, of course, 911 ongoing. And then I also have a movie called Damsel coming out on, on Netflix. I don't know when exactly, but with the lovely Millie Bobby Brown, where I portray her stepmother. I'm her mother. Yeah. She gets sassy with you. You got to make sure she ain't getting sassy. All right. No, she doesn't get <laughs> sassy with me. Yeah. <laughs> She's sassy. <laughs> yeah. No, she was wonderful. She was delightful. Um, I have to, I have to al- allow you because uh, this, this, these um, this last dec- you know, decade, a decade or so, uh, not just you getting accolades, but hubby Courtney B. Vance, mm-hmm. you know, with him winning an Emmy, you know, you guys two are, Emmys. You no, know, you, mm-hmm. you're you're having it. You got two. I ain't got none. <laughs> All right, now I'm trying to rectify that, but I don't know when and how. <laughs> listen, but, it's but, not about the awards. I mean, it's I mean, not. I mean, I mean, but listen, I think someone's, it is, about, but to, it ain't. someone's about to have an Oscar nice. soon. I think, it, though. It's, so, it's, like, if you want to talk about, right, you set me Oscar, up. maybe mm-hmm. a little. I think it's a little heftier than uh, even though the Emmy is actually probably larger in mass. But pretty cute. They're I'm just saying. Cute. But like, let's talk about like. I mean, you got. We've got to be proud of each other at this, at this moment. Definitely proud of each other. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's been... Uh, He's a pretty good actor. He's wonderful. He is wonderful. He puts his foot in it. You guys didn't do anything together soon? <sighs> or he act up too much? Mm, not too much. No. We're right. not like present day Ruby and Oscar. <laughs> um, we've had some opportunity to work together. And I don't know. I have a tendency to try to direct him. And he has a tendency to not want to listen initially, but then he comes around, mm-hmm. and then it's wonderful, you know. But um, it's true. <laughs> but we've done a play together. We did a, we did a play at the Guthrie years ago. Of course, we did ER many years ago. Um, and we work together. We have a production company, so we're working behind the scenes there, you know. 
So we got a little bit of work together. Nothing else you want to just like break news with us? You gonna do some big biopic that we've been begging for you? Then mm, no, no, not nothing, at this nothing, time. Not, not at this time. Okay. We will break uh, no uh, news uh, before it's time. <laughs> 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 um, last thing I want to do. This is just fun. We mm. do like kind of a rapid fire. Okay. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to give you like, it's an either or, give you two choices. And I do need to preface this with you because it gives you warm feelings. Understanding (laughs) this may not be your real answer. I'm getting you off guard. You don't know. So you're going to pick one and then you may think about it later. Oh, more than likely I will. I give you that uh, that, uh, grace. I could have had a more perfect answer. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Because you, and I did it based on your filmography here. So Denzel Washington movies, because you've, Worked with him on Malcolm X. Your preferred performance, Training Day or Fences? Training Day. Ooh. You said that. I think you were like, you meant it. No, I just liked seeing him. um, Well, yeah, he was different as Troy. Mm -hmm. Maxim also. He was wonderful in both of them. But Training Day was the first time that we saw him in a role that was less than noble. And he was just electrifying. So. Uh, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. One of of my favorite uh, Angela Bassett's is Strange Days with Mm. Catherine from Catherine Bigelow. Mm -hmm. So prefer Catherine Bigelow film Hurt Locker or Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, that's just just (laughs) that's just equal to me. (laughs) Um, Let's. They equal and the same, (laughs) almost a Hurt Locker. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Uh, waiting to Exhale, you worked with uh, the great Whitney Houston. Oh, yes. Preferred song, I Have Nothing or I Will Always Love You. I Have Nothing. I, I Have Nothing. I Have Nothing. Uh, sing it. Uh, don't ask me to sing it. Sing some of it. I have nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. if I don't. How does it start? I'm going to pull this up on Spotify for you, but we won't play it on the episode. can get us in trouble. I Will Always Love You. That's the way I ended uh, the little movie on Lifetime that I directed of Whitney. Mm-hmm. I Will Always Love You. I Will Always Love You? Definitely. I Will okay. Always Love You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so pure for us. It's just so pure. And it can relate to so many individuals and relationships in her life and our lives. So definitely that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you were in contact with Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, preferred Jodie Foster, The Accused, or Silence of the Lambs? Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I don't want to see that happen to my girl in The Accused. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Fava beans. Yeah. Fava beans. I love it. Um, she was so innocent in that. She was she was about a lamb going to slaughter there. In both of them, in a sense, but yeah. You um, were not how Stella got, got her groove back with Whoopi Goldberg. Preferred Whoopi, Color mm. Purple, or Ghost? Ghost. Just because she's the hysterical, you know, funny <laughs> Whoopi that we Molly, love. you in danger, girl. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the one. Uh-huh. And get her and get an Oscar for that one too. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. second black woman to win an Oscar. What came came, came in at, a certain category or in for, general? In general, came after Hattie McDaniel, nineteen thirty nine. I know. Horrible. 
Can I, can I explain something? Like, because I never, I never expect this to be like common knowledge that people know, but mm-hmm. people, I, sometimes people get like, you were talking about diversity. And then I say something like that and they're like, like, no, that can't be. I'm like, yes, right. it was Hattie McDaniel mm-hmm. and then it was Whoopi, 1939 mm-hmm. to 1990. Mm-hmm. And then 1939 we have, and to then 1990. best actress, we had Halle Berry yes. and that's the end of the sentence. Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. I always put it out there. That's Angela Bassett, star of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, currently in theaters. Ron Howard won his first DGA award for his 1995 hit Apollo 13, documenting the troubled 1970 lunar mission. And now he's earning rave reviews for 13 Lies, another true life story about the 2018 effort to rescue a youth football team from the caves of Thailand. Now, streaming on Amazon Prime, 13 Lives details not only the rescue from the caves, but so many of the people who took part in the effort to help. Whether it was farmers willing to flood their lands or divers volunteering for a seemingly impossible mission. Variety's Janelle Riley recently spoke with Howard about the making of 13 lives. I underestimated a little bit how challenging the movie was going to be and what the sort of degree of difficulty of it was. And the the um, you know the physicality of it was tough on 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 the cast and it was a really large cast and they ranged in experience from never having been in a movie before to people who had been in hundreds of movies. And uh, but it, I never had a project where there were fewer complaints. Because because people only f- a few years before had had lived through um, so much stress, so much discomfort, so much you know terror, just in the hope that they'd rescue even one child uh, and then experience this triumph. And so really, it you know it 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 was a kind of labor of love. It was a it was a sort of a labor of honor. Everyone wanted to pay respect to those individuals that actually made this miracle um, happen. Um, and, and there were a lot of them, as we said, 5,000 volunteers involved. I think you said that you, you, know, you could get tense because there was so much pressure, and, and one time you may have lost your temper. But does losing your temper, what does that look like? Do you sort of mutter under your breath and that's it? Might, it? You know, yeah. it doesn't look like much to anybody else, <laughs> but I know. Uh, no, this one, uh, you know, the um, there really wasn't, I mean, there was nothing to get very upset about except that it wasn't incredibly hard. And if I would ever be mad at, at anything or anyone, it would have been myself because, uh, um, you know, I, pe- people were giving everything that, that, they, that they had. Here, here's where I underestimated it. I'd done a lot of underwater work before. Open ocean, large tanks. I I'd, had, I'd, to you know, re- real um, creative success in, in, in those situations uh, with no incidents whatsoever. And I just didn't realize how even even in caves that were built um, where the lengths uh, of, of sort of entrapment would only be 30, 40 feet uh, in a section, that it was still dangerous and, and slowed everything down to an absolute, um, you know, sort of inch by inch you know, preparation and analysis and understanding of how we were going to do these things. And you could still only prepare so much uh, because ultimately 
the divers had to do the diving. And in this case, that turned out to be the actors who all, once they learned the cave diving technique from the real guys who were a part of it, they wanted to do it all on camera. That was a huge gift to me as a director and to the audience because I could let the, let the camera, let the shots linger and sort of evolve and unfold, and 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 you and you could you could recognize that these were not doubles; these these were the real actors. So that there was that that turned out to be more challenging uh, and a little bit unnerving, uh, more unnerving than I expected it to be. Um, the cultural specificity of this and the demands of it was something that I recognized immediately. It was it was part of the excitement of the challenge because I knew I would learn a lot. Uh, but it was also, a, you know, I, I felt a, um, you know, a, a real potential barrier to um, uh, the movie achieving the things that I wanted it to achieve, which is just to immerse an audience in this experience. If culturally, you know, uh, we, we, we made missteps. And uh, the process was great. The support was great. Our co-producers, our Thai co-producers, incredibly helpful experienced Thai cast members, incredibly helpful. But what I didn't take into account was the, the, uh, the scope of the cast and the number of actors in an individual scene that I was having to monitor and, you know, and deputize my Thai associates to sort of keep checking and double checking. And we really had to get that, that you know, I really wanted to get that right. And I, I kept saying, you know, if a Thai audience doesn't pay attention to who directed this, I'd like them to think that it was directed by a tie. That's my goal. I mean, with a title like 13 Lives, you were like, oh, nice small ensemble cast in a cave. And then it just keeps growing and growing. <laughs> and I kept making it grow because we kept learning so much. And the research that we hadn't done or that we couldn't find through docu- previous documentaries that were uh, made, uh, um, the rescue we didn't get to see yet. Jimmy and Chai's movie, they were working on it at the same time that we were. But there were other, there was a great BBC doc, uh, Thai PBS did a fantastic five or six part doc. We had a lot of great um, reference material, but Thai cast members through their family members, you know, sort of six degrees of separation, they all knew somebody who'd been very close to the rescue and could get these firsthand accounts that we didn't all have access uh, to. And so once they realized that I was re- open to and excited by the idea of just continuing to, to dig for these, these nuances and details and try to, you know, try to squeeze them into the movie, you know, in some way, shape or form, uh, we, we started getting information from people who'd been on the dives and people who'd witnessed firsthand uh, the rescue in, in um, you know, from other perspectives other than our, our divers who were with us and, you know, we were leaning on heavily for, for information. And then you're incorporating that into the scripts when yeah. you can? Sometimes on the day. Wow. You know, oh, oh, that's interesting. Oh, thanks for telling me that. Let's put it in here. And, the, the, you know, and let's, during, while this behavior is going on, this, this sort of aspect of the, of the support system surrounding the rescue mission, while, while we're staging that out, these were all things that we'd rehearsed carefully we'd identified in our research and planned to use even in our background and sometimes something would be so good some set of behaviors that i would just steal it and move it up into the foreground and then we would build in this other detail that we just learned about and you know it was just that went on into post-production it was just a constant process of um of discovery and if we didn't have it on film we'd find a way to get it onto the soundtrack or or we'd 
you know, we'd shoot a little pickup piece with a newscaster and place it in uh, to just to keep, you know, giving the audience as much kind of um, information density as we could because I felt like there was a lot of drama yeah. uh, in, in, those, in those details. Is that normally how you work, or it probably hasn't been necessary before because you've done a lot of things set in the past, but this was, you know, like you said, you're learning new things every day. It was very immediate uh, and, and again, huge. I mean, look, so, you know, I looked at the information, I interviewed the, 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 the people who we had life rights, you know, for and who I could talk to and did all the reading and looked at the docs. But this is, this is just the people we, you know, sort of, honed in on um there you know there are amazing uh, stories i mean i think these are central to the outcome and i think we found those stories to to tell and um you know there was a for example all, all that work that went up went on the mountain to try to divert the water away um it was referenced in the original uh william nicholson screenplay but i didn't understand how involved it was and as i began to understand that even as we were shooting we kept adding on adding these details and i'm really proud of uh of that section because there was so much improvisation and there were a lot of physical risks being taken up there as well as um you know emotional and and uh and career risks uh as well but there was a lot of amazing stuff that went on all around that area and you know there were um activations that didn't ultimately you know move the needle that much but they were just as risky just as involved and required just as much self-sacrifice as any as as uh you know as anything else um and um so i just think it's an amazing story and what they did the people who achieved this is that they get you know they gave us a case study they gave us they, they gave us proof positive that something that's remarkable can be achieved. Nobody's making this stuff up. This is this happened, and I think it's a story that deserves to be remembered and looked at in uh, you know uh, myriad ways. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional because you're actually talking about my favorite part of the movie. Look, I'm really gonna get choked oh. up. Oh my god! Well, uh, and I think I've told you this before, but when you know the the farmers basically agree to divert the water, knowing it's going to you know flood their lands, but they do it for the boys, and. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I got too much sleep last night because yeah. no, it's very moving. It's so moving. Um, and uh, again, it, you know, it was noted there in the original screenplay. But as I went a little bit deeper, um, you know, I just I, I I realized kind of the way that scene had unfolded and the way that information had been conveyed was was really powerful. And then um, we're shooting the, shooting that scene in Australia. Um, 90 plus percent of the movie was shot in Australia and a certain amount was shot in in uh, in Thailand much less than we had hoped originally but due to covid and whatnot that's the way the production unfolded so we're shooting that scene with those farmers in Thailand in uh, in Australia and uh, um, and of course we're combing the the you know the local talent base for Thai actors I we, we did didn't want you know people from other countries coming in who could look and kind of pass as Thai, maybe. Again, I didn't want to make any of those mistakes. I wanted people who spoke Thai and, and were Thai. And um, that's who we found. Not everybody was an actor, but through auditions and a process, we found a lot of people who could really help us. And um, one of the candidates was a woman who, who came in to play one of the, the farmers, the farmer who actually, you know, 
confers with everyone and and says the line that you just said you know for the boys we'll do it for the boys we'll we'll allow our fields to be flooded our crops to be ruined you know if it'll if if there's even a chance it'll 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 help the the boys and um the woman got the part and I didn't know much about it she just read the scene well and she hadn't acted before she was a school administrator and um we did it and it was incredibly emotional it was restrained there was a lot of dignity there but it was raw and it was real and i immediately stopped rehearsing and just started shooting and did you know one wide shot and moved in and did the close up on her and afterward i didn't want to question it i didn't want her to become self-conscious but she was just so honest and then i, I in talking to her afterwards she said well i was there my parents i'm in a school administrator but my parents are rice farmers um, they didn't lose their crop, but they were just 30 minutes away. They knew the farmers that lost their crop. And for me, this was, uh, you know, I was there when this happened, and I know what it meant uh, to all of us. And so it was very personal for her. And um, I think, you know, we all, we all benefited from her willingness to, to participate. And again, just deepen our understanding of um, what it was, what it might have like, been like, to participate in this and and be living alongside um, you know this rescue, I think we should take odds on whether or not I make it through this without crying, because <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm determined. To. You, you 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 would you almost would have lost a minute ago. <laughs> I know. As a director, I could see what happening. You were close. <laughs> or I'm a really good actor. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So 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 you you, you definitely <laughs> my, do. <laughs> my, my daughter Bryce can cry on cue. And she once did it on the Conan O'Brien show. You can look it up on right, YouTube. Yeah, I've seen this, yeah. And she can do it. She could do it. The first time that um, we, we saw Bryce on Broadway, it was, her, it was only her second or third professional job. Just, just um, uh, She was still in, at NYU. And my wife and I were there, and, uh, and she has this scene. It's, it's, it's the play was Tartuffe and she's crying at the feet of her father and real tears are coming down we're sitting close enough to see that this isn't fake theatrical crying she's really crying and I'm just I'm, I'm just blown away I'm moved my daughter is achieving this thing and I looked over at my wife and she was just calm as could be just watching really intently but not you know not blown away as I was and so then intermission came and I said uh, to Cheryl I said babe we're you know uh that was amazing what Bryce did those were real tears i mean you know I, I this is her broadway debut i can't believe it you weren't and she said yeah that was good and i said uh you 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 weren't shocked by that and she said don't you remember she did that every day of her life when she was 17 <laughs> <laughs> she, she can cry at absolute will <laughs> I actually want to go back to the beginning because I don't know if people realize, you know, you were one of the first actors who really transitioned successfully into directing. Um, and at the time, I don't, not only was that uncommon, was it kind of frowned upon? Well, I don't know that it was actively frowned upon, but people were skeptical about that being my dream. I mean, it was almost like I was just from kind of anywhere in the country wearing that t-shirt. What I really want to do is direct, you know. Uh, and, uh, but... You know, actors actors would direct once in a while. Paul Newman directed something. Jack Lemmon directed something. But they wouldn't commit themselves to it. And people didn't certainly didn't come from TV sitcoms. And they certainly hadn't been child actors who would then make this their, you know, their, uh, their career. So it was, uh, 
Um, I can understand their skepticism, but it frustrated me. Um, And right around the time that I broke through, Alan Alda was also beginning to direct. Um, He didn't stay with it as his primary career, but Rob Reiner did shortly after I started. Penny Marshall followed, you know, so soon, soon the sitcom vets uh, were, were making their mark. Uh, and, Did you have a little uh, club where you all met uh, up? To- uh, we, yeah, we know how to do the secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do occasionally act. You'll, you'll cameo in things. Or- I've only ever just played myself. <laughs> uh, but that's not easy to do. Uh, yeah, well, it's not hard either. Yeah. Well, um, exaggerated uh, versions of yourself, too, because I know you don't wear a bathrobe and, and, and drink martinis. No, yeah. no, no, no. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and I had to play myself in... Um, uh, a couple of episodes of uh, Arrested Development, yes. where Mitch Hurwitz thought it was funny that I was narrating myself, yes. kind of, uh, you know, and and and, uh, uh, and I was grateful that virtually all of my scenes were with Jason Bateman, and he is such a cool customer, uh, and uh, so hitting on all cylinders as an artist and a talent that it made it easy for me to make that kind of uh, that little mini comeback. But uh, I love directing, and you know, I'd love I would it'd be fun to act in something someday but honestly ma- making room for it given you know all my creative ambitions as a director everything that i'm involved with at imagine entertainment along with brian grazer i mean it's really um you know it's 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 uh, not to be corny but this is our this is our this is what we do this is our life's work and it's important to us uh and uh you know kind of every spare hour uh, that i have o- away from directing something i you know i want to give it to the company what will convince you to act in something? Is it usually a friend or a good cause? Or I really haven't acted. I mean, outside of Mitch Hurwitz saying, I need you to play yourself. Uh, and, and doing the voiceover, the narration on that was just a blast, yeah. uh, which I was also kind of drafted uh, to do. It would probably be Bryce. It would probably be Bryce directing something and saying, Dad, I really need you to come in and do this. Uh, or, I, or, or, or you have to. Uh, either of those would probably um, get me in the makeup chair and in front of the camera. Yeah, let's make that happen then. Yeah, one of these days, uh, you know, uh, who knows? You know, she's uh, she's she's uh, very astute and meticulous. So un- unless I'm right for something, absolutely right, <laughs> you have to it audition. ain't happening. Uh, I'm sure there'd be an audition involved. Really? She put you through that? <laughs> I'd, I'd be a little disappointed if she didn't. <laughs> They'll call it a work session, though. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Imagine Entertainment, and obviously you've done so much. Is there anything that you haven't been able to crack that you're really dying to do? I know years ago you worked on a Dark Tower adaptation, which I still really want to see if you're interested. It was, uh, uh, well, a version of that was made. Uh, I didn't direct it. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it was not everything we dreamed it would be, unfortunately. But, uh, um, but you, you know, were ahead of your time because you were talking about series and movies and yeah, I all sorts to, of stuff. I wanted to sort of, uh, yeah, do a, a kind of multimedia uh, approach to... Right. to um, Which was unheard of the, back then. You know, to that multiverse. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, no, you know, there are, there are a lot of specific stories that I'm working on, some based on true stories, uh, some fantasy. I'd like to do a sci-fi again. I, I would, I, it's been a long time since I did... You know, full-on fantasy like Cocoon was, or or The Grinch, uh, and uh, and that would be that would be fun again. I'm really enjoying the documentary work that that our company is doing, but that also that I'm I'm doing. I'm, I'm directing a documentary about Jim Henson now, and uh, um, you know who who's the creator of the Muppets, and that's a really fascinating subject. And what a 
what a genius he uh, you know he was with a a very specific artistic aesthetic and sensibility and approach that I'm really enjoying um, you know learning about um, TV is really fascinating I've you know I did I did our opening episode of Genius when we did our season um, our, our initial season was Einstein. Um, now, now we're doing Martin Luther King and Malcolm X uh, for this latest uh, season of Genius. Um, and uh, but uh, I, I would love to do one of those really great, smart kind of uh, flea bag, Barry type uh, half hour kind of dramedies. I just think there's great work being done, and um, we haven't really produced one of those yet at Imagine. And and I, I think it would be a lot of fun to direct something like that too. Or again, I seem to be pushing you into acting. You should be on Barry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I, that's such a great show, and of course, it's so fun seeing Henry Winkler just soar, yeah. uh, as does everyone you know involved in that show. I think it's a, I think it's a, a great series. It's so accurate too. Like I, I sort of resist shows about actors or that depict the acting world, but it's actually done very, I feel, lovingly and accurately. Very accurately, <laughs> very accurately, and I can tell you that uh, while. Henry Winkler is nothing like the guy that he plays. Uh, he's he's been taught by people like that. Really, with, with that grandiose, you know, sort of egotistical mentality around being a you know a um, uh, you know a, a an acting teacher. So when you see something like as the as you know as a Thai cave rescue story was unfolding and you know we didn't know what was going to happen and it, it frankly didn't look good like the outcome would be good. Do you immediately start thinking with your producer brain that that's a story I, you want to tell? I didn't at the time. I was in production on something. My, my wife Cheryl was was glued to the story, and I was certainly relieved along with the rest of the world by the outcome. I didn't know uh, much of of the specifics. Um, when I read Bill Nicholson's script, it was kind of like a gift. But there were you know there were two two I had two reservations. One was. Um, you know the Thai culture. Could I really get it right? Could I could I find the right collaborators? And you know to and and I knew I wanted to bring those characters even more to the fore and make it an ensemble piece. So that was a, an exciting challenge, but it was one I was really aware of. And I did recognize that you know in a lot of ways it was it was similar to Apollo thirteen. Um, and uh, um, and but I began to feel like, well, this is a great story, and there are some things that I learned from Apollo 13 that I can apply to this. But there's a whole other set of challenges, and um, so I, I want to take, you know, my experience and um, and get a version of this story told in the scripted narrative, um, uh, you know, medium, um, because I I I felt like the themes. The kind of the reason to tell the story were, was quite different than Apollo 13. And this was so much about volunteerism and people who did not have to be there uh, taking, you know, huge risks, physical, emotional, political, career, you know, just because they decided it was the, it was the right thing. And also the, the cross-cultural, the more I looked into it, the cross-cultural effort was not always pretty, but unbelievably effective and that's because people allowed it to be so and i wanted to celebrate that um as uh as well so whereas apollo 13 was you know about highly trained professionals going to the absolute limit to apply everything that they had ever learned 
to um, save themselves or to rescue them if you were a mission controller. This was really about, you know, people saying, I don't believe we can even do this, but I can't live with myself if I don't try. And it's a, it's a, very, it's a, it's a very different virtue, both virtues. Um, I was very glad for every bit of experience that a filmmaking experience that I've had going into this because as I said I underestimated it and I wound up using you know sort of uh, all my experiences and, 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 and all those muscles I'm very grateful for the recent documentary experiences of the last seven eight uh, years because I think that informed my sensibility around this story uh, in um, you know in, in a number of ways. I feel so dense. I never even made kind of an Apollo 13 connection. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I do sort of see that it's Apollo 13 in water. <laughs> we had a great double bill at the Arrow Theater. Did you really? Yes. It was it was 13 Lives on Apollo 13. And uh, Brian Grazer and I and Karen Lunder did, you know, answered a few questions in between the the, uh, the double bill. Uh, the 13 bill. The 13 bill. <laughs> There's got to be a trilogy in there somewhere. <laughs> I already made the 13 musical. Oh. Maybe a Friday the 13th movie. Oh, Actually, uh, I would love to see you do a horror film. Would you? Well, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, uh, there's a certain kind of horror that I have not done that I, that I would enjoy doing. Probably not Friday the 13th. The, <laughs> the stalker thing is probably, uh, you know, a little too intense for me. Um, you know, sort of um, uh, paranormal, uh, supernatural, uh, you know, monsters, sure. Um, things that we kind of know aren't real. Just want to talk about your below the line crew because everything looks so amazing. Well, this was a movie that was, you know, through despite all of our efforts and all the preparation, you know, was really made in post production. And uh, James Wilcox did a remarkable job, uh, you know, sifting through because part of this was like almost like making a documentary because a lot of the underwater footage and some of the sort of slightly improvised scenes that we did, uh, you know, uh, uh, in 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 the base camp area, you know. That, that was just kind of run and gun, put a couple of cameras on something, see what you get, because, you know, there's some detail we want to try to wedge in. And it was a lot of that fell to James to try to find the place in the movie where those ideas uh, could live. But, you know, a remarkable job of, you know, of um, capturing the different cultures and, and, again, creating this kind of this fusion of emotion and, uh, and, and ideas. And James was just great. Um, Sayampu Mukti Pram, our cinematographer, had double duty. Not only is he a world-class cinematographer with a huge challenge because that underwater footage was, you know, unusually difficult to sort of to, to um, conceptually um, uh, problem solve around. And, and we did tests upon tests and, and, uh, and, he, and he came up with a way for it to look, you know, just like if you went on YouTube and typed in sump diving, somehow Sayampu got that look, and yet we get all the information that we need to, to, uh, to tell the story. But he was also my number one uh, sort of uh, cultural consultant, as you can imagine. I talked to him about it, and he said, don't worry, Ron, I will be your angel. And he was not only operating, lighting, two different units, you know, the water unit and the first unit, but he was also you know, um, making sure that when they made coffee, it looked just the way they made, like the way they <laughs> make coffee in, uh, in Thailand. Uh, Molly Hughes did an amazing job. She's our production designer. And, um, you know, and, and people are shocked 
I mean, even people in our business, directors, are shocked when I tell them that there were no actual caves. Uh, we, that, you know, just simply was not safe enough and manageable. We just could not do that. Um, but she, she built these cave systems in a way that functioned, that, that we could work with. And when our real divers, Rick Stanton and Jason Mallinson, actually dove those sets for us, because they were there our technical, being our technical advisors and teaching our actors how to dive and, and uh, you know, and getting everything to be completely accurate. They dove those sets, Molly mm. sets, and they came up and said, we, we thought we were there again. Wow. Wouldn't it be funny if I cried while you're talking about the technical? <laughs> Although that would be like me. It's just so beautiful, the technical crafts. <laughs> it, uh, pe- people wanted, you know, I mean, again, it's, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it was a great story to to have the opportunity to, uh, to try to tell. That's 13 Lives director Ron Howard. 13 Lives is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, Head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily picks of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, and Clayton Davis, we'll see you on the circuit.